Boom shakalaka, ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, brothers and sisters around the world. We got the man himself, Liam Mitterham, in the house on the Crystal Journey podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to like this video, subscribe, click on the bell, tell your friends, tell your momos, drop, drop us the comments, let us know what it is. You can find me on YouTube, on Spotify. You can find me all over the place. Uh, you can find me on crystal.com. That's the, uh, the main site that you can get access to all my links. But without further ado, I just want to take a moment to introduce this legendary freedom activist. That's what I'm calling you, bro. A freedom activist. I see you always dropping the truth bomb, standing for freedom and doing everything to uh, plant yourself like a tree beside the river of truth and say nay to the tyranny that has been unfolding. It's been unfolding for a long time now, but uh, over the last couple of years, it seems to be growing at an exponential rate. Freedom is really the birthright of humanity, bro. And uh, I feel like um, it really is under threat. But uh, amongst being a freedom activist, you are a father, you are a manly man, and we're going to get into a lot of things in this discussion. But uh, whereas I've done just a basic introduction of you, um, do you want to give us an introduction in regards to who you are, just your own perspective on what it is you do? Yeah, so I'm Liam. I'm a freedom activist. I'm a deep researcher, big fan of David Icke, Alex Jones, all that stuff. Um, deep reader, deep researcher into crypto space, trader, um, advocate for the truth, poster boy for the mainstream media sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, and just, just a work dilf on Facebook against the new world order absolutely bro and it's funny if this was <laughs> even three years ago the world new world order the word new world order would have seemed like some kind of um joke to the masses but i think it's undeniable now in light of what's been happening over the last couple of years with the uh with with people like um well i think i can say this without the flags going off on youtube mr clash Schwab, openly saying that uh you will own nothing in 2030 and be happy and the agendas that we thought were conspiracy theory are now proving to come to light. So if anything, That's the it. new world, yeah, it's openly spoken about. The man's real. The boogeyman's yeah. real. Yeah. And there no, is that, an that was a big, Oh, definitely. And like this became apparent to me in 2016. Um, but then even more so when it became a knife to our throat with like the police state and everything that happened in Victoria, that was like the big moment. I was like, fuck, this stuff is actually legit. And it's at our throat. Like that's when it became real, you know, like I was like when everything that I had researched and everything just come together. So you started so, researching this stuff uh, around 2016 or had you somewhat been more familiar with this kind of stuff prior to that? Prior to that. However, it's, it's more like, it's, it's a weird way because you research different facets of society, like for health, for example. So when I researched into health, I found out like there was a lot of bullshit, right? Like a lot of, a lot of, and there's like a demonization of fat and everything like this, which is a precursor to testosterone and, and all, all the stuff was incorrect. And so trying to fix my own health, I got red pilled on the health industry. And then I looked deeper into it. And I'm like, why is it so misinformed? What's the agenda here? And then you also look into like cryptocurrency and the financial markets and you see that this ain't right either. This isn't what we were told about. This is something that's not right here. But why is that the case? And then, you know, you, you, you just keep looking into different areas of the world like this 
And then you, it all comes together and you're like, hang on, I see the agenda here. There's in every single facet of, of like any, not any industry, but like most industries, they all have a running the same agenda, the same scam on the masses. Absolutely. The food industry, that was a big one with me as well. You know, I mean, definitely you, you find, I, I think, I think one of the biggest deceptions is that uh, you need to take pharmaceutical drugs in order to be healthy. I mean, this is essentially what we see pushed yeah. by the mainstream media. We're constantly saturated with these, these drugs here and there, right? Nutrition is and medicine. Yeah, absolutely. When it's been, I mean, Hippocrates, who's supposed to be the founder of modern day medicine, you know, I mean, he's uh, classically known for saying that, uh, you know, let thy medicine be your food and thy food be your thy medicine. And you find that the the classic approach was to nourish yourself, to cure yourself through the foods of the earth. I mean, this is where pharmacia comes from, um, the etymology dealing with foods of the earth. But now we've seen we seem to have obfuscated this notion, created synthetic substances, and uh, yeah. absolutely, and yeah. A, yeah, a lot of these things are, are, are that that's the funny thing. Like to me, I I find it hard calling something a medicine when it creates so many other problems. Like, let's say if you take something, like let's say you have a um, some kind of blood, you're taking blood pressure medication, right? Like I know this is yeah. a common one, right? But then it's making you constipated and it's making <laughs> you in, in, making impossible to get a direction, right? And then it's giving you all <laughs> kinds of skin disorders. And then you have like a dozen other problems that emerge just so that you can have a balance blood pressure that to oh, me but then you just like take a, more pills bro yeah but then you yeah exactly pills, <laughs> then you take pills it's, it's, a, the, it's uh, not it's not a medicine it's a, it's a uh industry it's a business absolutely but to me i just find it weird how um that seems to be what what we've accepted as medication a lot of the times most of these drugs you have a look at the fine print and it may cause you know half a dozen problems but nonetheless we'll call that medicine and uh, yeah, I'd much rather do do something that um, works synergistically they, with my body. They try to make people ignorant to the cause and just treat the symptom because the symptom is the way the money's at. You can't Absolutely. treat a cause because if you treat the cause and it's fixed, your job's done. They don't want that. They want you a chronic customer. They'll treat your symptoms and that's it. But they'll leave the root cause there and keep you oblivious and ignorant to the root cause as well. Absolutely. I think we medicine, take- medicine is nutrition and spirituality, man. I agree. What you take into yourself, not just what you eat, but the environment that you're around, um, in ter- all your senses, what they're being inundated with. And when you're being programmed, not just on the, uh, the food level, you know, but through the, the saturation of nonsense on the mainstream media. And uh, That's it, man. yeah, it, it takes a toll. Uh, on you. I'm a big advocate of like, if your psychology is wrong and you're repressing energies, so, you know, you have emotions, which is energy in motion. So, like, if you repress energies or emotions within your psychology, they'll store inside the body and they'll cause tumors and cancers and everything to grow up because that energy's got to go somewhere. And if it's negative, dark energy, then it's going to um, affect your body nefariously. You can't just stop energy. It's got to flow somewhere. So if you have certain blockages or um, certain holding on certain resentments, I mean, like, if you're, if you're a woman and you're resentful towards uh, your ex-partner or someone who got you pregnant or whatever, you might get ovarian cancer because you're oppressing and not letting yourself feel this energy because you have to build that psychology to survive, but that energy has to flow somewhere. So you might get a, something like this manifesting in, into our realm sort of thing as the effect of that. So like you got to take care of your psychology and your spirituality first and foremost. And then secondary is the gut and then the brain. 
But pharma wants you to diagnose the brain, then the gut, instead of the gut, then the brain. You notice this? They want you to keep you away from the gut. They just want to look at the brain. That's it. But yeah. how can the, how can yeah. the mind be healthy when the body's not healthy? And how can the body be healthy when the spiritual when the spirit isn't healthy? That's mm. the flow. Oh, here's a here's a somewhat unconventional idea. What if the mind and the body are not separate? I mean, they're all, all exemption of. I mean, we separate these things, but fundamentally, uh, this is the perspective that Elliot House has, and he's someone that I I tend to follow a lot of the content of. Yeah, he, he speaks about how we come up with this notion that we have to separate everything, the mind, the body. And if we go even further back to Aristotle, Aristotle was someone that took away Plato's concept of this holistic worldview and put everything into boxes from not just the, the, the world of biology and so forth, you know, mind, body, spirit, but in terms of, of ideas dealing with science. I mean, we separated mathematics from from alchemy from all these different isms and fundamentally you kind of have to address all these things holistically realize that your mind is the body and your body is the mind and uh even when it extends to sciences and so forth when you learn something it actually helps you in other areas like there's this common idea that we separate art from science but you find i mean to quote einstein if you want to learn uh science you know you learn art if you want to learn art, you learn science. Is that that true? There is a, yeah, I'm, Al, Einstein, I think he put it more eloquently, but um, fundamentally, you want to expand your yourself by learning the, the science of art and the art of science in order to be a fully realized uh, practitioner of is, either of those disciplines. Is that because you built a foundational psychology that would help you uh, be a good scientist? You're, build, you're, you're like building these building blocks, help you when, when you look into science from that perspective you would um, have nuance to it and be able to make discoveries? Is that, is that the reasoning why? Or are they, is science and art not that similar? I would look at it from the perspective that when you look at any discipline, even science, you'll find that there is an artistic aspect to it. There's a subjective nature in it. Like we look at, let's say, uh, scientific things being very left brain zeros and ones, like for, whether it's computer science or let's say the, the process of measurement. It has a very... Um, logical, tangible way of, of looking at things. But you find that when you go deeper, you find that the best scientists realize that there is this uh, uh, spontaneous um, right brain approach to understanding scientific concepts, that there is a, there's an art form. You find the best scientists will often apply this, uh, this holistic way of looking at things. And it's an expression of art in a sense. And the idea is that well, I, I would say this definitely applies with um, with music. There is definitely a, a left brain approach to music as well as a like music is typically looked at as being a very artistic thing. But you find there is definitely a science to it. There's a logical application yeah. when you understand the musical scale, when you understand chord progressions. And there are some people that apply that very left brain approach. But you find in order to fully express yourself uh, as an artist or as a musician, you need to not, not only understand the left brain approach, but also the artistic side. And you can apply yeah, this yeah. In, in everything. Like, I, there's this quote that the, uh, the river transcendence opens when you see science, you see the art and science and the science and art, because there is this interconnected wow. nature between things. But I know we've digressed a lot just in terms of, I think we were speaking about health and just the separation of, of I guess, uh, biology versus uh, psychology and whatnot. But they are very yeah, interconnected yeah. disciplines, right? So this is really re- related to, 
I guess what we're talking about here, which is maximizing your health. Well, that's it. And and we're just seeing like the fraud in each of these systems to keep humanity kind of, or humans kind of repressed in a type of way, you know, to create an industry or <clears throat> out of disease instead of fixing it, everything like this. And, and we were just looking at the misinformation that has been seeping into what we know to be true in Absolutely. every aspect. And you, you made honest. a salient point um, just a moment ago um, in regards to how we're not really addressing the root cause of this problem, right? And granted, I think you were limiting this to perhaps the, the health industry. You kind of have a look at what's going on right now in terms of politics, in terms of call it technology, what you will. Specifically with the politics of things, I feel like a lot of people in the truth movement, freedom movement, at least I would say some people, they're striking at the uh, the branches of evil and oh, not yeah. the, the roots, you know, like where... Like we recently just came up from the elections, right? And my whole philosophy on this is they're not really elections per se. They're, I, I mean, you're simply choosing between two parties that are going to bring about the same agenda, right? The same it's kind of like, the, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, I don't really think it's addressing the root problem here, which is, is something that is perhaps happening on a much deeper level. The fact that us collectively, we've allowed, ourselves to get to this point now granted there are definitely some figures that are responsible for what we're seeing and when i when i say this i'm talking about just the the erosion of freedoms that we've seen over the last few years you know this uh, emergency act that's been put forth and whatnot and a lot of people say that the only way to change this is through the democratic process but is that really mm -hmm. addressing the issue when the very process is is um it, it involves a system that is coercive i mean one the the fact that uh, many of these politicians are essentially forcing, I mean, I don't even like the idea of for, forcing the vote, which is something that we do here in Australia, right? Like we mandate this kind of stuff. We mandate all these different areas and we say that it's necessary in order to give you the ability to choose how you want to govern your life. But fundamentally, we're not really changing anything. It's just an illusion that we're changing things, right? What, what are yeah. your thoughts on the whole uh, governmental appro approach to uh, uh the system and whatnot, like the change through voting. I mean, what are your thoughts on the recent elections and just that approach to solving things? I think to solve things, people need to make the system as obsolete. So what we're seeing is a conflict of values in people. So when it comes to like the lockdowns and the tyranny and everything like that, it's what we were seeing was deep core values being conflicted with, with everybody. And if, if we... If, if we come back to our values, then, and we start to become self-sufficient, self-sufficient in all these ways, then it won't really matter who's in control and the agenda can't come forth. I feel like the agenda has to come forth through people who have bad values to make it so. Sure. If that makes sense. I can't articulate no, it. No, it, 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 it comes to, well, decentralization and ownership of one's life rather than having to be reliant on a, the government, you know, for social security for uh, relying on the supermarket. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I guess um, I would ask you, you, like you, you mentioned that it comes down, down to values, right? Like, well, I guess one of the biggest issues in the moment is that I think a lot of people don't have the same values uh, yeah, that's the as other people. So I guess the question is, how do you, how do you resolve that? I mean, if you have one section of the world that 
believes in working together as one, as they say, right? This is how the socialists put it. And fundamentally, you shouldn't have your rights. You know, these people that are always speaking about their rights, they're, they're being selfish. And fundamentally, you have to sacrifice yourself for, for the state. And they agree the yeah. mandated vaccines and mandated uh, everything. They're the values that they have. I mean, well, you've taken that- higher, you've taken God out of people's lives. So like a higher, you can say God, the universe, or whatever. They've taken a higher purpose out of people's lives. So the higher purpose by default then becomes the state and the collective. Is That's what fills the gap. So once God is removed from people's hearts, they will have to, because it's in human nature to seek God and a higher power, right? There's always going to be that void there. So this is what people substitute it with, the greater good and, and the state and, and everything like this. And this becomes their idol, their God, because they, they have to give themselves up for a higher purpose. It's in our human psychology to do that. So, yeah, they substitute it with the state. And, and they're living just sort of in this 3D world where it's just like, oh, this life is just it. Like, oh, where did we come from? Don't ask that question. Or how, how are we alive? Don't ask that question. Like, this is, this is it. We live, we die. You know, there's no higher thing, you know, scientism, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So God's been removed from people's lives. And I think people need to come back to a higher purpose that is esoteric and spiritual. Sure. If they want to, um, if they want to replace, fill that void and replace government with something higher. Well, let's have a look at what's going on in Switzerland at the moment. I think they just recently had the, the World Economic Forum or something like that. Davos, basically meeting of the elite. It's funny, any any group of people to call themselves elite. And that's the funny thing. It's like it's one thing for us to call them the elite, but they actually refer to themselves as the elite, which is a, a red herring in of itself. <laughs> but you, you you watch the the talking points of these people, and this is not air and imagination anymore. I mean, people like Klaus Schwab speak about how they need to ensure that the society is moving in a better direction, that there are a lot of problems. Because the the you know, to play devil's advocate, the argument they would make is that there are a lot of problems in the future the world is very different now and we are where we're at a point where it's so easy for things to get out of hand i mean we could have a pandemic that could kill lots and lots of people right therefore we need to put these measures in place we need to redefine what it means to live in a a democratic society and you start you, you start seeing the change of these um these systems of government uh like the, the there's a common thing that you'll own nothing and be happy in 2030 right and i guess everything yeah but their their approach at least their argument is that you have a look at the past you have a look at history and we've had a lot of problems and we need to build back better so what do you say to that people that have this mindset that there are clearly problems in this world and it what are you are you suggesting that we do nothing to change these things and allow the current systems to to remain the way they are? Uh, shouldn't we make improvements? I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate over here, but I, I'm, I'm just curious to see what your thoughts on the arguments are of these uh, totalitarian figures. From, from what I've seen, we play a world of problem reaction solution. So like they poke the hornet's nest. We make a virus, we release it. We already have the- Wait, what, are, you, are, you, are you suggesting that people That's- make a virus and release it? That's clearly you're speaking- um, conspiracy theory here i you know that that could like nine, let's go 9-11 you know or like the the war in, in middle east the um weapons of mass destruction and everything like that like it's all yeah. it's all problem reaction solution like you shake the hornet's nest and then you offer the solution and you look like the hero of of whatever outcome world you want to you want to build 
So like mm-hmm. all these fraudulent systems and everything, like they've just come in from the cult from what I've seen. I, I think it's easy to see because when this thing whole first popped off in regards to the, the lockdowns and whatnot, it was easy for us to see that this was unprecedented, you know, like granted there was an argument that this stuff was being exploited by the powers to be and whatnot. Uh, I think most people would at least agree to the idea that uh, what we were seeing was very unprecedented. And I, to me, it becomes so easy to believe the idea that there, there is some kind of construction, that there is some kind of reason, you know, behind what we're seeing, because you have a look at the last, uh, few years or even the last 10 years 50 years and there is this movement in order to lose more and more of our freedoms you know like we don't see ourselves becoming more free we see ourselves losing our rights and it becomes a situation as to whether or not like you think this stuff i mean to me i i think this stuff doesn't happen by chance it seems so well planned out and the idea is to assimilate the idea is to assimilate the human race into one one consciousness basically at the end of the day that's transhumanism and human 2.0 well let's speak about that so we're thinking in one hive mind to erode freedoms and just think of the the greater good and the the herd instead of the individual they want to erode the individual well that that, that's an interesting conversation because um you know with a whole transhuman thing like i realize people define this stuff differently but to me, when you're speaking about working together as the whole, that sounds like collectivism, right? That's the, the yes, I, I, I Absolutely. Yes. But um, when it comes to the transhuman movement, which is something that I realize is also a very controversial issue, uh, it's one of these things where people have different ideas on it. Because classically, you'll have a look at transhumanism, and it's the idea of um, using science and technology in order to alter the human, human humanity as it is in in order to make it better. And the question lies, how are we going to do that? And what are we doing in order to make it better? And what is your idea of better? Because granted, we can change humanity on the biological level. We can change it on the environmental level, on the political level. When we're speaking about the changes, I always get to like the how as to uh, the, the main issue here, because I'm not opposed to making changes. Like for instance, if I could take something that could make my, let's say, make my dig bigger or make me uh, less uh, less likely to suffer from viruses and so forth, I think I should have the right to do that. I mean, regardless of whether or not I think it's a good idea, that's another thing entirely. But it's how it's being done. Because granted, when we see a situation where the government is imposing this kind of stuff, these uh these changes on people that becomes something very different that that's where you you move into the line of totalitarianism and i i always like to make this distinction because when we speak about transhumanism per se like what what does it mean to you like because you you mentioned the the whole collective thing like all becoming some hive mind but is that your idea of transhumanism like if you were to speak about it what's your idea of yes the assimilation of consciousness of every person to be in one uh, one truth, essentially one one perspective, one paradigm. Okay, because that that sounds very much like the Borg from Star Trek, that kind of thing. You know, we are the Borg. Resistance is futile. We share the high mind, <laughs> that kind of thing. Exactly, and then and, and then we we don't need to communicate anymore, so we lose our, the expression of our face. Our minds become more relevant, so we grow bigger head. Um, our bodies get weaker everything like this, and we completely change form. We just have a high mind consciousness. I'm going to say it is a lot like the greys. 
Yeah, well, that that's a that's a pretty uh pr- pretty uh out there topic. So when we're yeah. speaking of it, well, obviously we're making reference to uh you know the uh in the whole ufology scene, the greys, these uh these weird uh mantis like biology, yeah. biology spiced with AI, yeah. Okay, so what you know it's interesting. This topic has been coming out a lot more lately, ever since I'm not sure if you're familiar with Michio Kaku, but he came on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast recently. And he had a conversation about UFOs. That's like a hot topic at the moment with the uh, recent press conference talking about this. But he actually touched on the topic of the grace. And it's interesting because Joe Rogan and uh, Michio, they kind of have their own take on this thing. Like Michio's under this idea that perhaps grays are from the future. That's kind of like the science fiction-esque perspective on that. And they're perhaps perhaps human beings. But uh, I I, I would presume you 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 obviously... uh, you, you kind of have a, a more what, what I would call like you're familiar with the law in regards to this stuff. And when I say that the, the reports that have been uh, developed over many years, they kind of speak about these grays as being something other than that as um, essentially AI. I think that's the way that you put it or biological entities. What's your take on that yeah. whole on the whole uh, gray agenda, gray agenda? That's that sounds like a, <laughs> a metaphor. Well, I think that that's that's half true with there are from the future. I think that that is where humanity is going to, I think we're going to turn into this type, an entity that looks exactly like this. I think that's what I mean, like, that's what they mean by this is from the future. It's not actually from the future. It's just the human body going this, the humanity flowing in this direction and, and evolving into this direction. Yeah, and that, that's... Assimilating consciousness and, and everything like this. Like, it's, it's probably the next step. That's, that's what I always interpreted the brain as. Okay, because that's the perspective that Joe Rogan was actually putting forward. That's what he was saying that he he believed on the from on the podcast, from what I understand. Bob Lazar told him this behind closed doors, and he would never say it on the podcast. Sorry, Bob Lazar told him this behind closed doors, and he would never say it on the podcast. But he would always reference to his guests, saying, "Oh, let me tell you what Bob Lazar told me off air." Oh, Joe Rogan actually said this. This is what Joe Rogan is. This what Joe Rogan said that Bob Lazar told him off air. Yes. He would always say on air, he would always be like, oh, let me tell you off air. Let me tell you this off air. Let me tell you this off air. But now he started to just say it without saying Bob Lazar told him. Now he's just starting to say it. That, that's interesting you say that because like, I'm actually very familiar with Bob Lazar's work. And I always got the yeah. impression from Joe that he was very skeptical of the Bob Lazar's story. He wasn't um, either or there. But I do know that Bob Lazar references where is he never had any direct contact with the Grays per se. Like he worked on the craft and he actually came in contact with uh, material um, that or I think was either that or overheard that these people in the conversation making reference to where this technology came from. And he actually made reference to Zeta Reticula, which is because the thing is, there is the, the Joe Rogan is essentially speaking when you when you're speaking about um, the grays. Right. There's the there's a theoretical approach in regards to where they come from. And then there are the reports. This is what I reference. Like pe- there are many okay. people that have had interactions with the grays, the extraterrestrials, this kind of stuff. They're always described as being met. Uh, having these mantis-like features. And when I am kind of crafting my assessment of this, I'm making reference to that and also a lot of the, okay. the lore on this kind of stuff. Because the idea is that these beings actually come from Zeta Reticula and uh, they are supposed to be these biological entities. They're, they're, suppo- they're almost like robots. They're very, uh, they don't, uh, the, the theory that I've heard, and this is, this is in reference to a lot of figures that have had that uh, claim to have actually had interactions with the, these beings and have actually dealt with them that they are 
they are essentially the workers essentially of um and this sounds very fringe i, I understand this of the reptilians they're supposed to be yeah, like yeah. Called the, the draconis this kind of stuff but the idea is one that they are actually real uh flesh and blood beings the great aliens however they're not real in the classic sense they're they're almost like fake um workers that have been made in order to, yeah, yeah in order to do the work of the uh of their masters the reptilians and in regards yeah. to the whole theory of us turning to, into them in the future that's something to me that seems more built of air and imagination like i think it's when we get into the whole i i personally believe that there is an aspect of the time travel thing that is possible but i always take on the the, the perspective and i base this off of the works from the montauk project which gets into another realm of like crazy stuff right because they actually did experiments with this kind of stuff but I'm I'm more, more inclined to think that if there is a uh there are beings that are coming from the future that kind of stuff, I'm inclined to think or from the past. Yeah, coming which from the past, our, which would which would be our future. Yeah, it's I have the I I tend to subscribe to the uh, the idea that if you are let's say going back in time or you you know you're going into the future, it's or that kind of thing. You and you make a change. Let's say you go back to the past and you make a change. It's like an alternate reality that's been created, like in the multiverse. Because I don't know. I'm, I'm not talking yeah. about time travel. Oh, sorry. We're not talking because I because I, I just made reference to that because we're talking about the theory of the Greys actually being from our future, that kind of thing. And like, no, if no, I so accept- like they they're not they're not literally from our future, but they're a representation of what we could become. They could be from our past. So they could have been. We could have had a civilization of humans in the past that eventually evolved into the Greys, right? Oh, and then there, was a geocat- yeah. then there was a geocataclysmic event or whatever that wiped this civilization clean. And we started again, let's just say, we started from hominids, whatever. And um, now we're going back, turning back into the greys as our destiny, our evolutionary destiny of where we go as a race. I see. So correct me, you're, look- you're looking at them in terms of like the pot- potentially we could the end potential. up with them if we went down the yes. course of evolution where we- But they're not, literally, they're not literally from the future coming back in time. It's sure. just we have the potential to turn into them, or maybe it's our destiny as a race to turn into them eventually with our technological advancements. Um, but if anything, you could say that they're from the past. So you not time traveling from the past, but they are the the civilization that got wiped out before humans. And if you say that like we they are the work of these of reptilians, I mean, are we so different? In what sense? Um, where the worker beings of uh oh well i see i see what you mean because you're making reference to the 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 the, the anunnaki the, the yeah of oh, yeah. the elite oh from that sense because you're familiar like, the anunnaki you're familiar- is, is, yeah yeah they, you can use whatever interchangeable you want but we are like kind of a. I mean if you want to go back to the the anunnaki uh enkian and lil how they sure. engineered a slave race and everything to do all this stuff and then they wanted to break free i mean i watched your videos they were very good very spot on very mason philosophy <laughs> right there um well, let me just say, like, we, we call, let me just say, like, it's when, when we're speaking about information, like, I, I never like, like, categorizing into a particular, like, whether it's Mason, it's just information, like, this stuff is yeah, ac- yeah. information that anyone can gain access to. But yeah, you're, it's true. A lot of the Freemasons, they yeah. do actually have access to a lot of this information because they, they spend yeah, a lot of time yeah. understanding their roots. But I just wanted to add that as a, um, yeah, just a side note there. But go on. No, no, I agree. I was just, yeah, being facetious. Um, yeah, so are we really that dissimilar from being the worker bees of the serpent people of of the reptiles or whatever your nuanced terminology is? Yeah, 
We are going we're really deep. that different to the grades. Yeah, we're going deep into more like esoteric stuff here. I, I don't know if the, the viewers are going to be as familiar with this kind of stuff, but it's an interesting point you bring up here because on one hand, uh, the elite, obviously they're supposed to represent the top 1% and they are our enslavers or obviously they're trying to um, enslave us, make changes to us, not just on a psychological level, but on a physiological level as well. And in a sense, they're actually the offspring. If you follow the, you know, a lot of the, I mean, this is essentially the, the theory. I mean, these beings, uh, the the Anunnaki, they they actually set up king's rulers and to actually take dominion over certain landmasses and so forth. And their progeny were supposed to, uh, like their, their progeny was supposed to be like the most, uh, the, the had the, the, the deepest connections to their alien DNA, they ended up being kings and so forth. So over time, you see this lineage where the kings and rulers have ended up uh, being people that had stronger DNA that links them back to the Anunnaki. And to this day, the idea is that there's still this idea of the, uh, the divine right of kings that granted we don't see kings and queens per se, we see the elite having direct lineage to these, uh, these figures, therefore being the ancestors of the Anunnaki who essentially went about enslaving us. So in a sense, the elite are still doing what uh, the, yeah, the Anunnaki were, were doing well, or what the reptilians would have been doing to the greys in a sense. I just wanted to wanna, clarify that. Here's my theory and it's kind of like, it's off the wall, but the idea of building us as a slave race and everything like this. So they're false gods, Pinky and Alil. They're, they're lower. They're not even gods, right? They're not the creators, but they, they may be the creators of us, but they are not the overall God energy that is every. So what happens is you create the human form, which is an antennae, which is where well, they're an antenna as well, but we're an antennae for God energy. But you could almost say, if you've heard of the idea of like a soul trap, you know, like you have an amethyst and you trap a soul into it or whatever, like, you know, in folklore and stuff like that. So the human body is kind of like that, except the human body um, has processes inside of it that can be used to manipulate that energy inside. So we're, we're like a trap of God energy, right? And when you assimilate us, turn us into a slave race and you assimilate our perceptions and our hard mind into one, uh, one frequency, one perception, then you have harnessed the God energy and then you can sort of, it and use it as a weapon now that's what the greys are you can manifest through the grave hive through the greys hive mind and now the serpent people have now harnessed god energy and can use it uh as, as a battery to manifest and create that's that's, that's powerful man <laughs> no that's that's deep but bro the, I, the I idea is deep. yeah the idea is to create a form um of human and then have them eventually evolve into the perfect slave because then yeah. they've got God as a slave through us as a soul trap. I, I hear what you say. I mean, this is essentially what the ancient Gnostics believed, that this physical body was essentially a, a trap. Like their our whole idea was that the, yes. the physical vehicle uh, is uh, is this trap. And essentially, granted, you have the light of God working through you, but essentially exactly. you wanted to liberate yourself, like redempt the spirit from matter. They looked at the entire physical creation as being uh, a, a fake creation from this entity known as the demiurge. And this, this concept is found within, like, it's actually a prevalent concept, not only within uh, Eastern schools, like within the Vedic scripture, they speak about the Maya, which is the illusory world. This is the concept of the, 
of the Matrix, man. The whole like uh, Matrix, you know, getting out of this uh, this reality, which is fake. But it's a common thing you find within um, even within the West. I mean, it paves the way. You find that some of the earliest branches, and this this is probably going to offend a lot of the more devout fundamentalists out there, but some of the most earliest branches of the Judeo-Christian um, ethic were derived from these Gnostic principles. So the the Gnostic uh, uh, the Gnostic texts found within the uh, the writings of the Essenes, they speak about many of these concepts about how essentially uh, it, it takes a very different view towards um, uh, what we classically find as Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But this idea that God is within all of us and that essentially there is this uh, this battle that is taking place and uh, it, it gets very it gets very it sounds like a science fiction movie, but it kind of is in line with what you're saying here of how there's this physical form that we're seeing is a trap in a sense because there is this element sorry we're engineered we're sort of engineered to fail and basically the thing is we it's a free will thing because we need to choose the free will we we have free will to choose to be a slave at the end of the day and to assimilate and turn into this as a collective i mean we can be influenced but at the end of the day it's our choice and our decisions that determine if we turn into this assimilated org as you say the complete and utter sla slavery or not. Absolutely. So they're That's, utilizing, they've engineered, but they're utilizing free will to, to make us as a free will choose to be slaves. Yeah, that's what it fundamentally comes down to, choice, choice, right? I mean, people always, I feel like we've moved into this age, the age of wokeism, where you see this agenda at play where we're essentially taking away our choice, our rights. But I feel the society has adopted this attitude where they don't have any choice. They, they just like to believe that they're victims all the time and they don't have this power Absolutely. within them to overcome the circumstances. Because granted, I'm not someone to ignore the fact that, yes, there are challenges and there are some people that absolutely have it harder than others, whether it's a product of our environment or even our DNA. Like I, I, I certainly don't believe that um, uh, we're all born with this with the same kind of like um, opportunities. There are some people that are, you know, can uh, are born disabled and so forth. And some that will have a lot of their faculties working against them due to um, programming on the biological level. But I, I fundamentally believe because this is the basis of of like the, the whole philosophy of like human rights, that you have free will, you have choice. There's this ability within yourself to be accountable for your actions and as soon as you take that away which is what we're seeing with this wokeism and you say that everything is just a product of your environment there is no choice it's just a matter of circumstances yeah. then you can create this worldview where there is no free will everything is um is essentially shaped by uh circumstances so we're not going to make anyone accountable and we're just, just going to try to manage solutions and outcomes we're not going to bring it down to the inherent choice which is this unenable god-given right that we all have yeah, because it's dangerous. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You have to have the voice of the collective. You can look at Sam Harris as well, a neuroscientist mm -hmm. who denies free will, um, how yeah. he believes that, or from his findings, that the human mind makes choice and decision before any of the neurons are even fired, basically. Mm -hmm. So, like, where did where did this choice come from? You know what I mean? It happened before we're going the deep brain here. even... Yeah. yeah, this is this is what this is one of these topics that frustrates yeah, a lot of the. Uh... Let's come back. Let's come back. No, no, I no, I love this topic. Well, let's get into it because well, I was just going to say here that like a common idea is that, and this is strangely enough, this is accepted by a lot of the transhumanists, um, also accepted by a lot of the atheists. But um, yeah, it, I I guess I would put this in line. I I personally wouldn't make this a product of transhumanism 
per se, but I find a lot of the people that subscribe to this ideology, they tend to believe that there is no free will and every, we live in this deterministic reality and there is yeah. no ability to choose. And it, to me, I think once you accept that, because this really is at the heart of the problem, once you accept this notion that everyone is a product of their circumstances, yeah. then you can you can justify anything. Like no one's ever accountable. It, for anything yeah, no one's ever right? accountable. Yeah, that's yeah, it, man. And it's um, it's a I, I it's guess it's a massive, what happens it's when massive you... self acceptance. There's no growth. It's just like, oh, this is this is how it's gonna flow. Okay, you know, I don't have any power over me. Um, you know, it's all deterministic. You know, I, the reason I'm poor is because people are rich and blah blah blah, and I can never do that because I'm a poor person. They're a rich person. Absolutely. Like, do you know what I mean? It's they're they're denying themselves that free will that that manifestation energy that accountability. It all comes down to responsibility, and people are so scared of responsibility. Scary thing. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Bruce Lipton's work? I'm not. In, in well, he's a, he's a epigeneticist that speaks a lot about how our environment can change our circumstances and so forth, but specifically about how will is a huge factor. Like, I love how he breaks it down because classically, you'll find Sidon speak about nature versus nurture. We all understand that our nature, our DNA, call it what you will, has a huge impact on who we become, right? But then you'll also, if you're into psychology, understand that your environment, your circumstances will play a role in the kind of person you become. Bruce Lipton speaks about consciousness, how there is this innate will that can change circumstances as well. And I feel like it's the factor that the scientific community, by, by and large, tends to overlook. The idea that there is this um, outside of your nature, outside of your nurture, that each individuated consciousness has the ability to enact change within their environment just through will. And I've always found it weird how some people always look at his, look at themselves as not having any free will. Like by virtue of me being here, I always feel as yeah. if I'm making decisions, you know, innately. And I get it. Like some people say, yeah, but it's because of the environment you were brought up in and so forth. No, no, no. I don't buy that. I always feel as if, yeah, I can override my biology because there are certain, like, do you feel as if there are certain things that you should have done just based off of your nature, based off of your environment, but you haven't done because at the core of who you are, just not what you like do you find there are any situations where you go against your programming yes right now i am actually yeah you'd be the classic example yeah like no i guess fat. the sorry the no, no oh gosh yeah classic <laughs> example most you know set the yeah. biggest drive you'd have sex right recreate and you know you whole masturbation kind of thing i mean these this is a classic sign of you exercising will against free the, will uh, over my programming absolutely i do that i absolutely. fast I, I don't i'm i'm orgasm free for maybe two weeks now wow so this is me this is me okay. saying okay like i am a slave to these certain impulses and i'm just going to fall into it sort of thing and, and it sort of drives me instead of it drive me driving it and i'm like now hold on i'm in control here stop that let me let me stop let me let me shut all this off and not do it so i've actually taken control of my nature and and pushed it down a bit mm. basically that's have you noticed that like when you wake up in the morning you're always just a series of reactions i mean let's just say you like you wake up you look at your phone you react to whatever's happening on your phone and then you got to go to work and you're reacting to that and then someone says something to you, you're reacting you're reacting every stage of your day is just a reaction to ex the external when you actually sit down and meditate it sort of severs that reactiveness and turns you into proactiveness so it's like hang on i'm going to stop reacting to the outside world i'm going to meditate be with my thoughts. And then after you finish meditating, you're like, okay, now I'm the proaction in the world. 
So that's what I've been doing. I've been st- I've been stopping my reactionaries and started to be conscious and become a proactionary in the world. And a part of that is by harnessing my nature. And I believe that is, you can look at me mathematically and you can be like, oh, Liam was born this way and he was, you know, he was subject to these kinds of women as he was growing up. This is who he would find attractive, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's mm-hmm. going to do this. He's, he's going to, if we show him this on the computer, he's going to jerk off, whatever. Like, so you have my variables, but I'm saying, no, fuck those variables. Absolutely. You know, we, we were speaking just a moment ago, just in regards to how you were talking about the soul trap, right? And I think this relates to what you're talking about here, because we, there is this biological aspect to human beings, right? Where we go without programming. However, because yes. human beings are not so on a bio, yeah, biological level, you can override your programming. Because this is what 100%. is referenced in a lot of the Vedic scripture, like fundamentally, when you were rising and you, you were bringing your energy to a higher level of consciousness, you connect with your higher self. And this is just a, another way of saying, allowing, you know, like the light to work through you. You tap into the, your Christos, the spirit of God, right? That's when you were not just functioning as this biological entity, which is what you're doing. Because it's one thing to be, exactly. like, you ever been in a, in a exactly. flight of flight? Yeah, like flight of flight. Yes. This is when you just react to things. Like when you get, or when you get yeah. really angry or frustrated, you get reduced to a point where you're just reactionary, as you said. But when you really start becoming conscious of your own thoughts, of your own body, that's when you're allowing the what is called the Atman in the uh, Vedic scripture to uh, to exercise itself. I mean, there's this idea that as you're seeing yourself change and grow and seeing these biological reactions, there is an aspect of you that is observing yourself. And this yes, is part exactly. of you is consciously making a decision to change your outcome. And I think because you, I mean, I think it's a huge part of, you we are two different entities simultaneously, my friend. We are Absolutely. two different entities simultaneously, and that's apparent to any conscious person. Yeah, lower self versus higher self. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's like we're two completely different entities living, inhabiting this house, and that, that's true. I believe that's true. Because um, and, and you can see, you can you can stop. You know, I'm angry. I'm going to fight this person. All right, no, calm down. That's not right. Am I being a slave to my impulses? Yes, you are. Okay, let's stop doing that. So that's that's the the God energy within you. That's what I believe. Anyway, that's the consciousness. That's exactly what I believe as well, man. And I think um, it's it's evident the people that take on that attitude, they're more inclined to have a resistance towards um, authority and tyranny. Because I I look at a lot of the things that you you say and you do, and you strike me as someone that is an individual that is not beholden to the collective. And I think it's because you accept the fact that you're you're responsible for your actions you accept the fact that you have this free will this choice within yourself and as a result you act accordingly but i think when you you throw that away and you say that look um i'm simply just a, another uh, a cog in the you know in the uh cog machinery the machine, yeah. yeah uh what power do i have and i i might as well just go along with things you know because there it is no self- autonomy yeah you deny a part of yourself when you yeah. do that you know, and I'd love to become your love form. So, someone asked me this the other day, and I'd, I'd love to find out what your 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 answer to this. Someone approached me on the streets just the other day. They were doing a survey to try to find out what people's values were as a school project, and the question was, um, out of these uh, these values, family, career, and spirituality or religion, call it what you will, uh, which what is your highest uh, priority? What do you prioritize? So, I've said family then career so pursuit of your own kind of career goals that kind of stuff 
And then the spiritual side of life, like what takes precedent for you? All those things. Well, okay. I would Prioritize. say spirituality at the first, because all those things are manifestations of that core foundation of spirituality. So your, your career and your family should be um, a manifestation of your spirituality. That's exactly what I said. I was the only. This if you do it in reverse, go, go, really? I'll let you finish. But that's just interesting you but say that. Yeah. If you did it in reverse, then your your spirituality is a manifestation of your career or your family, whatever. It's all external. But you need that as the foundational pillar. That's the first mover, and then everything is an expansion from that point. Mm. What do you? So, think? like, if you if you focus on your spirituality, then it's a natural conclusion that your career and family would would align from that. Like. You know what I mean? That's very interesting you say that. Um, I'll tell you my answer in a sec, which is very similar to yours. But what, what do you think most I love people, your reaction. Yeah, because I, I say that because it's such a rare, even the people listening to this, or maybe they're just our, our hive, you know, our vibe. But I would be surprised if people were not somewhat, you know, um, you know res resonate with your answer or were like, oh, because I, I would say the vast majority of people, which I would call the normies, at least this person told me, um, didn't give the answer that I gave, which was very much like yours. You know, they actually say yeah, right, number one family. Right. And yeah. I always connect and I'll, I'll tell you why I answer the way I do. But most people said family is number one. And then they said, you know, their career as second. And then they said, you know, spirituality is third. Right. And uh, I actually went with um, spirituality because I said that fundamentally family is supposed to like spirituality, real spirituality encompasses family like rather than having this attitude that only your family is of concern you cast a wider net this is the concept of agape and you essentially expand the same kind of love uh towards all beings within you know not just all your family, immediate yeah. family the but human. the community humanity then the planet earth that's the con that's the spiritual concept that i espouse to and i actually explain that like whoa you know no one's ever answered like that and then i say that's what i aspire to i tend to be you know i, I try to do that but i tend to focus more on my career uh, a lot of the times, yeah. you know, but that's my guiding principle, spirituality. So career would have been second. And then the family, that's, to me, that's connected to spirituality, but that comes, the, the reality is that, you know, we have these bonds, you know, the, the ground us, but I'm constantly trying to um, bring about a more spiritual attitude. So I, I have this attitude that everyone is part of my family, but I was just curious to see, hear your answer, you know, and it's interesting that we have had a very, at least with your first uh, point there in regards to spirituality, that that was a, that's a very rare answer, but it's very telling. I think if you enter family, if you enter your career or family without your spirituality as a pillar, that's a mistake. Yeah, well, you know, I guess people have different things as a guiding principle. Like I think what most people would refer to as uh, spirituality becomes the state, becomes um, uh, social you conformity. You know what I mean? And. I guess there are some people that are, I guess, very, um, you know, some people define this stuff differently, but I think the, the classic uh, person will, will look at family as coming first because with, with your family, essentially, that's how you bring about change and uh, you, you form your spiritual bonds and so forth. I'm not sure if that, that necessarily applies to a lot of people, but um, I, I feel as if the family is usually the anchor for a lot of people. And it's kind of like they have this attitude of like my family first. But I think if you're yeah. truly being a spiritual person, you'll realize that 
family is um is you should be trying to have family as being connected to not just your immediate family yeah to spirituality but the thing is like if you're aligned with your spirituality you will naturally be inclined to first anyway it's not like it's not black so black and white it's a manifestation of you having a strong strong connection to your spirituality and your pillar no doubt do you think that's a huge aspect of masculinity because I think people Absolutely. look at masculinity very differently in this day and age, right? Like we're, we're told that it's toxic and we don't see it as being a spiritual thing. I think most people, I, I don't know. I don't want to generalize it all. Weak actually, men but... are toxic. Weak men are toxic. That's I agree. But would you say weak you women? Strong men are toxic. Wait till you see what a weak well. Yeah. Well, what, are you, what are your thoughts when it comes to, so you think weak men are, are toxic, period. But people what does it mean detached... to, be, to be weak? What characteristics do you assign with masculinity? To not take responsibility to be weak. And to give away your power is weak. And to, to bathe in, to not sacrifice yourself is weak. To be a slave to impulse and pleasure weak. That's to be your God. You're not to sacrifice yourself. Well, let's get into that. Because when you say to not sacrifice yourself, like I would, you could That's, easily make the argument that the, you know, a lot of the leftists, they're saying that you should be willingly sacrificing yourself uh, and go get a jab and go uh, pay homage to the state and do all this stuff and like pay taxes to people that, you know, well, who do I worship? Security. The cult? Yeah. Sacrificing I, myself for Satan, for the serpent, the sons of serpent? No. Yeah. No, they, so, they want me to, they want to assimilate my consciousness and trap the divine energy with me. Why would I align to that? Why would I sacrifice myself for that? So, no, no I'm with you. And they, I, I just, yeah. that, they, um, they don't want men because a man is a weapon. You don't think a woman can be a weapon as well? No, we're not talking. I don't know much. Women, I've, no, no, I, I do, I, but I, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing this on purpose because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get some interesting converse, conversation. Because I, I share, I know what you're trying to say. But um, yeah. I, I I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get the audience to um understand or some of the perspectives you're sharing as well because when you when you say even when you're saying like what it means to be a, a weak man like i i know what you mean by that but i don't know if the audience does and uh like like if you were really to paint a picture of a strong masculine person that sacrifices themselves what kind of sacrifice are you talking about and what kind of values does it mean to you to be a strong masculine person because it's easy to say, oh, it's be strong. You got to be like willing to uh, do whatever the state tells you to, because that that shows virtue. But there's a different kind of strength. Like I, I always make a distinction between the kind of strength, right, that tries to force other people to sacrifice themselves, right? Because that's just forced yeah. altruism. Uh, from a Christian mindset, that's that's evil. You know, like you don't yeah, you don't see altruism. Jesus saying, um, look, Jesus will sacrifice himself, but he's not like you all have to. You you guys all have to die. You got to do this yeah. as well. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that the state deals with, right? Whereas that, there's a distinction between that and saying, I'm going to put myself on the line and fight for something that is true and suffer the slings and arrows, right? That's what you call virtue. It's that self-sacrifice. And I always try to make, I always try to get people to delineate between what they mean when they say sacrifice, because they're different kinds. And like, what kind, and I'm I even sorry, think, I, I, you got to go, we'll, we'll, I, we'll wind this down. But uh, I really wanted to get an idea of the uh, ideal man in the world of uh, Liam Minerham. Like, what are you talking about when you're talking about masculinity? I think it is a, the most masculine trait 
is to be a prime mover in the world, not a reactor, not a reactionary. You are the prime energy. So the external world should react to your internal world is as the prime mover, as the God energy, as the Godhead. Instead of you being a receiver of the external world and reacting to it, I find that quite a feminine thing. You are the impregnator into the reality, kind of like a dick. <laughs> Bro, that, that, I've never heard that most saliently put. That's powerful. I resonate with that. Absolutely. Like that's, that's just one factor. And you got to, yeah. and I got to go. Sorry. Um, that, <laughs> that's cool. Oh, bro. Well, Liam, it Sorry, has been dude. an absolute pleasure, man. Um, look, I wanted to keep this down to an hour anyway. Um, we, we got into some really juicy stuff, and this is, a, this is a refreshing conversation. I appreciate your time, brother. Look forward to uh, maybe doing this again. You are a scholar. You are a wisdomatic truth bomber. And Liam, I appreciate the fuck out of you. It's been an amazing conversation, all right? It, just quickly, if people nice. want to get a hold of you, um, I'm going to put some contacts down below uh, if, if that's cool with you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, let, let us know what you think about Liam's thoughts on the world and all the crazy things that we've gotten into. Uh, if you want to get a contact with me, tune into the next time I'm on Crystal's podcast and I'll have some more platforms available. All right. All right. That's well, how we're going to do this. Sounds good. Sounds good. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for coming on it. Always enjoy the conversation with you, brother. I'll let you go. I know you got stuff. Cheers, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. I've been waiting for this call. All good, brother. Peace out. You too, man. Have a good one. You won't work it, don't make the rest, you won't make it. I don't need a